I think we can safely say that this is the first proper international episode because it's like two people in London and one person on the other side of the world with Bailey. Uh, how has your day been so far, Bailey? It's been good. Uh, it's over. It's uh, it's almost 11 p.m. So uh, mm-hmm. it, uh, it it was a good day. Um, but yeah, yeah, the time zone is uh, it's crazy. Uh, there's never a good time zone difference in Australia. <laughs> no, no, you guys are properly locked down there. Yeah, yeah. Do you think there's a bit of, um, because of the time difference, a bit of a disconnect between the Bitcoin community mm. over our side of the world versus your side of the world? don't know. I guess maybe for like breaking news, like there's been countless times that like I've woken up and checked my phone and it's like notifications of news and I'm like, oh crap. And I'm like four hours <laughs> behind and... People are tweeting stuff. I'm like, that's such a good tweet. Oh, that's <laughs> right, stuff right. like that. Um, but yeah, it uh, it is odd, especially like running uh, Bitcoin businesses that are based in the US mm. um, and ship out from the US. It's interesting. Uh, I pretty much like I will work for the next couple of hours after this uh, to get some stuff done. So um, yeah, it's a bit odd. I think I need to move to America or. Maybe <laughs> yeah, I mean, Australia is not too... Which side in Australia are you from? The east or west coast? South. So South. Right, okay. right at the bottom, um, a beach city, uh, Adelaide. Oh, nice. Nice. I've been yeah. there. Mm. No, haven't been there. No. But I've heard Good of it. <laughs> nice and quiet. Nice, nice. And uh, in classic rabbit hole fashion, um, what was the moment you discovered Bitcoin? What was your rabbit hole story? Uh, maybe you'll start there and then go into the various topics, I'm sure. Yeah, so my rabbit hole story um, would be, it, it goes back to 2015, I would say. Um, even well, That was the first time I purchased Bitcoin, um, but maybe a, a year or two before that, um, I had already kind of like heard about it, didn't understand all what it was um, at the time in 2015, I was what, uh, 17. So yeah, I think I heard about it when I was 15 the first time and I was in high school and um, obviously wasn't that interesting to me. Um, In high school, I was much more interested in girls or hanging out at the skate park with my mates or or something like that. Um, But yeah, and then I think uh, it was... Yeah, two years later, um, hanging out with some mates and and I think the topic came up of it. Um, I don't know what had happened in, in 2015, but there was like some sort of breaking news around Bitcoin that had come on our like Facebook feed that we were talking about at the time. And, um, Could be the, the Twinkle, wink, um, the Twinkle was twins. The Winkle was twins with their, they did file for an ETF back then. And I remember it being a big thing in Normyland as well. Yeah, maybe. Honestly, I have no idea. I just remember, yeah, it was definitely like a breaking news thing, but um, they were pretty big then, so it makes sense. Um, and then, yeah, and then we were like a little bit more interested at the time um, and then uh, decided to like figure out how to buy this, um, which was like a challenge in itself. Um, and I think we spent maybe like an hour watching a couple of videos and looking into it and it became like a bit of a group obsession, which was really fun. Um, and then I think we bought our, we all put in, all made accounts on CoinJar, I think it was called. I think it's a UK-based company, actually. I have no idea if they're still around, but... Um, um, they got acquired by um, the exchange Obi used to run, I think. 
and th- th- those guys, I, f- I think they shut down because, yeah, Obi was fed up probably. So yeah, I, yeah. I do remember them um, being at certain events also in Central Europe. So yeah, there good times. Go. Yeah, so we all made accounts on there and um, I think uh, I put in $50. I bought $50 of Bitcoin and it was just like really cool. Um, and then the fact that it was like a group um, activity even after that, like for a few months after that, we were kind of like had this obsession for it. Um, and then I continued buying it, um, diving a little bit more into uh, just like crypto in general. And then um, in twenty. 17 i sold all my bitcoin uh to buy an outfit uh to go on a date with a girl <laughs> so um and uh didn't end up working out with her did i didn't even get uh, a second date so uh that that sucked but lost all my bitcoin for that um but definitely learned my lesson um and then pretty much from 2017 to 2021 maybe yeah, early 2021, I kind of went through my altcoin season, as a lot of people do. Um, was just, yeah, uh, trading uh, different altcoins, Ethereum, Cardano, stuff like that. Anything really that was like new or someone said was going to be like the next big thing. Um, and initially, I did like pretty well. Um, actually made like some decent returns. Um, at the time, I was working at McDonald's and I was like a university student. So I... Um, uh, it was like cool making a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars profit at the time, which was really nice. And then, um, I'm pretty sure I ended up just like losing everything at, at one point and kind of took uh six months off. <laughs> and then, um, I think after that, uh, in 2021, um, I heard obviously more news about Bitcoin and, and that drew me back into it. And, uh, a little bit older and wiser and with some life experience, um, especially around money, uh, obviously moving out of my parents' home and, and actually learning what money is. Um, it appealed to me a lot more. Uh, so then, yeah, so then I kind of like jumped down the the rabbit hole of, of just Bitcoin and within um, a few months, uh, I guess, was had my orange pill moment um, where decided that I was, you know, Bitcoin only. And um, from then on have been. And then in late 2022, I sold a investment property um, and I was pretty heavily into Bitcoin at this point. And I, when I sold the property, decided that, you know, if I do believe in Bitcoin and, and, and kind of like what it promises and, and what the fundament, fundamentals are, um, that I should go all in. Uh, so then 100% of the profits from that property I put into Bitcoin in uh, late November last year, uh, which was a good decision. Um, chucked it in cold storage and kind of forgot about it. And then, um, yeah, and in December, yeah, I moved from kind of investing into Bitcoin daily into some business stuff. And then uh, that's kind of what birthed a couple of the Bitcoin projects that I've been working on since January. I see that you're wearing some of your Bitcoin projects as we speak, right? I am, shameless plug. I am, some uh, Mr. Satoshi gear. This is our uh, Satoshi Social Club uh, range. Nice. <laughs> and the hat says, what, Bitcoin Social Club? Oh, Satoshi, uh, Satoshi Social Club. Club. Nice. And what's that on yeah, your video? Yeah, it's uh, 
This is also Satoshi Social Club, says uh, Satoshi Social Club in Bitcoin We Trust, um, which I thought was was a nice little addition to it. So all embroidered, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, that was my first first Bitcoin project that launched in January. And um, yeah, it's been really incredible, uh, especially the uh, um, kind of like acceptance as well in the Bitcoin community has been really, really awesome for it. I see that you're both wearing some apparel from uh, Bitcoin orientated uh, apparel, except for me, right? I've let the side down here today. I love the mutiny uh, t shirt. I saw that on uh, Twitter a couple of days ago. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Joel's been tweeting the hell out of that top. Yeah, it's awesome. it might have been good, to be honest. <laughs> I, I clicked on the store, the, the yeah. Lightning store, and I was like, this mm. guy has such sick designs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. also fun dude to write to. Um, but funny enough, there is actually. I don't know if you guys know this. This is inspired by Marlboro, of course, like the cigarette yeah, brand. That's right. And there's a rad ass cool shirt with that design, also the one on the back. And uh-huh. I used to have the fucking shirt, but I can't remember <laughs> where I put it. I was like, fuck, if I had the right shirt, I'd like the mutiny shirt, but it's such a good photo. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I think Bitcoin Imperial is definitely on the up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Nice, well made Bitcoin apparel. Um, mm something that we definitely needed so it's really awesome and there's a couple of us around that make like actually good quality ones and, and really nice designs like the one you're wearing like that's so sick and obviously i'm very biased but this stuff's awesome as well and super comfy so like it's uh it's it's really awesome to see and also the bitcoin community loves it too um especially the stuff that's um doesn't scream bitcoin as much mm-hmm. uh, like so ones that have like HODL and a Bitcoin logo, people are less likely to kind of buy or like wear out in public. That's what we found. A lot of the stuff that we sell is like this low key, not obvious um, apparel, but also you're still supporting a Bitcoin business Mm. and repping Bitcoin. And it's kind of like hidden in plain sight almost, right? That's it. Like a Bitcoin is going to notice and that's it. And that's probably the only person you want to notice that that you're wearing it if you're, you're out in public. And your service with Mr. Satoshi, with which we can get into now, is um, a it's super fast because like I ordered, it must have been a couple months by now ago. I was like, oh, you know, if I order it from I don't know the state side or maybe even the Asian side, it will probably take a few weeks. And like boom, within four days it was here. Yeah, um, yeah. And I have the um, I can't remember the name of the um, collection is, but you know the, the Satoshi in like the different colors, and then it's sort of layered on top of each other. Yeah, yeah, that's just our um, just our standard range. So it's not um, nice. any of our like yeah other ranges, but. It's uh, I remember you posted a photo, the white t-shirt. It looks yeah, exactly. It's long, the long sleeves. Yeah, Yeah. um, that I mean, the the quality is nice. It gets sent real quickly. Um, you mentioned you've sort of gotten in and out of Bitcoin. Why a period? Like, what was the number one reason? Was it really just like, hey, I like clothes, I like caps, and I want to do something else, or was that previous connection for you? No, it wasn't. I have no prior experience at all with apparel. I have prior experience with with business. Um, I've I've started and and ran a couple of successful and not successful businesses in the past. Um, and uh, when I kind of like in November decided to go all in in Bitcoin, um, I was working in finance at the time, so I was a, a mortgage broker, um, and <laughs> um, I was like. You know, be, uh, I used to be self-employed and I was like, man, I'd love to go back to self-employed. I think like once you do it and you get a taste for it, going back to a nine to five is like impossible. Um, so I was really looking for that out 
um, of what I could do, what could be the thing that could get me out of this like nine to five rat race. And also it was in November, I was um, looking for a a, a Bitcoin t-shirt and I spent an hour or so just um, browsing on, on online on a couple of different stores and I just couldn't find anything that um, I liked the designs. Like it was good quality design. Like I said before, like the hot, I didn't want a shirt that said hot or I didn't want like a big Bitcoin logo. I wanted something low key. Um, and also like the quality as well. I wanted it to be like good quality, want to last. And I just genuinely couldn't find a t-shirt. And then that kind of triggered it in my brain and I sat with it for for a month or so and um decided to like start working on it and fleshing out a bit of a plan and an idea. And that's kind of where Mr. Satoshi came from. So my mic was playing up then. Um, where, where do you get your um, designs from? Is it all in your own head or have you got some team of people that help you out with that? Yeah. So at the start, um, probably for the first three months, it was just me um doing designs and, and and getting all that done um so i'd say probably 70 to 80 percent of the designs on the store are from me but then um the other 20 percent are just from um like freelance designers no one like full-time just people that are contracted to to, to make a couple of designs but um we kind of go to the same people um because they make yeah really good designs and know what we want and they're also bitcoiners which helps <laughs> And in terms of like, if you look at your whole range now, is it really that it's always going to stick to apparel or will you, you know, because I do know you've, you've written a book, like we actually recorded a bit in advance. It will go out today or it is out at this point when listeners see or hear the show. Mm-hmm. Was it always in the back of your head to like, hey, I'll start with like clothes, accessoires, design stuff. And then maybe, you know, um, maybe some stickers design. I know you sell some and uh, then the book or has it just been like free flowing and you said like, you know what, I'll just do whatever I want. Yeah. Something that I learned um, from a previous business that I had, which was also e-commerce is um, having like a broad range of products can be, and a lot of the times is like super detrimental to the business. Key thing um, that I've found is like you want to find a niche and then you want to find a niche within that niche. Um, So for like me, it was like Bitcoin Apollo is the niche. But then, you know, what is your niche in that? And for me, it was like premium, high-quality, well-made designs. And it's like that is your kind of key market um and we've really tapped into that market i think it's 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 been the reason that it's been successful in in such a short period of time but yeah. uh, at, when i first launched mr mr satoshi in january i had i i guess i was like super excited about launching and you know we had some other products like stickers and phone cases and i think we did bags at one point and um like a couple sold and it was okay. But like when I just looked at the site, it was like confusing because you're this apparel store, but you're selling bags and it's just like, it's cluttered. So I got rid of all that and it's now just solely uh, apparel for, for Mr. Satoshi. It's um, important. I think and significant that you mentioned the word quality um, mm. and it kind of um, highlights the whole value for value type thing that is um being constantly discussed in the Bitcoin ecosystem amongst Bitcoiners. And, um, you know, if you're going to fully part with your valuable sats, it has to be yeah. a good quality product, right? So you're incentivizing the way to um, create some quality goods. Because um, if, 
you know, sometimes I go to like conferences and stuff. Yeah, there are T-shirts for sale and you know that they're cheap um, sort yeah. of uh, mass manufactured T-shirts with some sort of um, print that's been ironed on and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And there is there is a marketplace for that because they're quite unique uh, to those conferences. But at the same time, you know, it's not really um, a place where people will put their sats on, on a day-to-day basis or right, if they're going out and shopping for this sort of stuff online. hundred percent. Like, uh, I guess it's a bit cliche, but I'd say we're definitely, definitely a like lifestyle brand as well. Like being connected in the Bitcoin community and a big thing in our community is like, obviously the ethos of don't trust verify. And I knew that going in um, and it's like that with any business, but with the Bitcoin community, I knew that, um, you know, if, if you start a business and you've started on, on the wrong foot, you got bad quality, it's, it's not what it should be. And people are wasting their sats on that. They're way more upset about that than like if they were spending money. Um, so you need to respect that. You need to make sure you're delivering what you're promising. Um, and it's been good because that was like the initial challenge at the start when I launched in January was actually getting the first couple of people to buy that was the hardest thing um that took a while but then once that happened it was kind of like a snowball effect because people start posting on twitter being like hey took a chance it's actually pretty good posting that and then once people see the evidence and see the proof and verify it then they're more like eager to buy um and we've been doing that for six months so now um it's definitely not a problem like the evidence is there and in six months we haven't had one single refund um which has been fantastic yeah um which has been great we've had one exchange because of like the wrong size uh Mm. but yeah definitely not one uh refund for for quality or anything like that which is really awesome and something that like i'm super super proud about yeah and ian i guess um bailey's hats and and stuff would probably be better than the stuff we tried for our merch so like (laughs) Who knows? We might see a, a Rabbit Hole Stories collection. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, watch this space. Maybe we can collaborate in some way in the future, Bailey. Um, <laughs> but go, going back to um, you personally, um, and obviously being from Australia, what's what's the um, Bitcoin ecosystem and space and community like out in Australia? Yeah, so um, this is something I've learned a little bit more recently, probably within the last like six to 12 months, because when I have like been involved in Bitcoin before, I haven't been that interested in like, um, you know, going to, I was never interested in like going to big conferences or events. I was kind of like a very private investor. Like I didn't see it as um, the community that it is now. Um, but uh, that there, there are a lot of Bitcoiners here in Adelaide where I am, not as many. It's definitely in like your, your bigger cities like Sydney, Melbourne, um, Perth and stuff like that. But in Adelaide, it's definitely growing. Um, something that kind of blew me away is, uh, I don't know when it was, maybe January or February, I jumped on the Orange Pill app. Um, shout out to them. Love them guys. Awesome app. Um, message me on there. Uh, and Mr. Satoshi, we're a sponsor on there. Shameless plug. Um, but I jumped on there. Um because it was a super cool app and I was so surprised at how many Bitcoiners were actually like nearby. It almost freaked me out because it was like two kilometers, this bloke's here, this guy's here. And I'm like, oh, what? And it's like five kilometers, this guy, this guy. And I'm like, oh, wow, there are actually like way more Bitcoiners in my local town than like, 
I ever thought. So it's growing. It's definitely a lot smaller than um, like the US and, and Europe. Um, but we had uh, like one of our conferences um, in Sydney a few months ago, and that seemed to be a, a good success. Um, I didn't get the chance to go, but from what I saw on like Twitter and stuff, it was actually like a, a pretty decent turnout. Yeah, because I imagine that's what not a lot of people realize, especially over here in Europe. Like Australia is a huge country. <laughs> it's not like you could go from one city to the other in your car and you're there in two hours. It's such a big yeah. thing to to probably see everything. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely true. I think we're, we're I don't know, uh, probably very much similar size to like the US, but um, we've only got 26 million people living here like we're all just on the coast the whole yeah. center is is desert and then we all just live near the beaches uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so the center could be a cool bitcoin citadel in the future like there's enough space there there's not much going on there it's just a lot yeah. of dirt and snakes to be honest it might not be the best <laughs> yeah that's true that's true um and like you were mentioning earlier as well the um a lot of the narratives in the bitcoin space is very dominated by america and the us so you guys with the time difference um you you get like a wave of all the things that have been happening in that in that sphere if you like um so it must be quite overwhelming at times just to try and catch up with all the stuff that's happening over in the us because uh, i know sometimes i wake up with like the big news that's happened in America just a few hours prior. But I imagine for you guys, it must be a little bit more difficult. Yeah, it is. Like at the moment, um, so what is it? It's just past 11 o'clock here. Um, and in the US, it's like 8, 9 a.m. So, you know, everyone in Australia is about to sleep for the next eight hours. And that's the US's whole day. So by the time I wake up, it's like 6, 7 p.m., us um so everything in the day has happened like all of the breaking news interviews like government decisions have happened while i'm while i'm sleeping and it's true with everything not just bitcoin but like politics and everything um anytime something big happens in the us um yeah it's makes the mornings more exciting the morning coffee is like a lot more nicer in australia i think we probably right. have than anywhere else because like we get all the whole day's news right at our feet in the morning <laughs> going back to um your rabbit hole story you were mentioning that it was a group of you that kind of studied bitcoin or um came to this discovery all at the same time how many of you in that group are still in bitcoin <laughs> me <laughs> just me just me yeah um i don't think any of them continued on unfortunately i wish i could say that um they did but no we were so young um you know, we all kind of started our careers and we've all gone in like different directions, moved university. Um, so just like was never a major focus at that age. Um, I wish, I always wished that, you know, I was older and wiser in like 2008 or 2000, sorry, 2009, 2010, you know, um, I'd like to convince myself that I would have jumped on early if i uh, had known about it then but just being younger i think was a bit of a bit of a curse i mean to be fair to you i think 17 years old discovering bitcoin and doing some investigation into that is um mm. a good thing and um you've discovered it you know when when you were able to really sort of consume the kind of fundamentals of things so you know you yeah. got into it young and i know you did as well joelle right 
Yeah, I just wanted to add as well. I think if you're that young, the the, the biggest benefit you have is time. <laughs> mm. So like you can you can go down different routes. You can see if it's sticking. And let's be honest, back then, like you didn't have many books. You didn't have great literature. Yeah. So y you had to spend your time figuring out of your own, essentially. Yeah. Um, so I think. The, I have the same thoughts at times, like, well, like, oh, maybe you should have stuck around a bit longer and, you know, like, do this better and these things better. But, like, you really didn't have the resources. So the only thing you did was either get involved on, like, Bitcoin Talk Forum or, you know, spend it or maybe go to a meetup. But that was, that was like, it. There weren't the big conferences and these things yet. So, um, yeah, it's a kind of a double-edged sword, I think, because um, yeah. on the one end you want to do it, but then, yeah. It just, it's, it's, like just didn't want to be. <laughs> it's just when you're like when you're 17 or 18 what bitcoin does and what it offers at that age doesn't really affect you yet mm -hmm. it's like when you get to you know i'm 25 and um obviously i'm still young but like you start to see now with like life experience and having to pay taxes or like understand governments mm -hmm. kind of dive deep into like the real world you're out of sheltered school and like home life um and you're exposed to like the real world and and that is what motivates uh, i think a lot of young people or people coming into their like early to mid 20s to to like l go to bitcoin because mm. they start seeing what the world is actually like and how bitcoin solves a lot of those problems Yes, and I guess you, you kind of need these these weird pushes. Like I remember, even today, sometimes if I have to write about, you know, um, the, what was the latest one I've written um, about pensions and how they're essentially Ponzi schemes or healthcare <laughs> systems, how they also like you pay for others and you hope that the same thing happens if you get older. Um, and I was kind of sitting there going like, shit, yeah, I mean, you kind of forget at times that like, well, probably never going to see any of the money you put in anyway. And so you have to almost go through these events to realize, yeah, maybe we'll need Bitcoin, not even to like have money when you're old, but to have an alternative, I guess. Yeah. Because like, imagine if you already have to sit down and become a hedge fund manager next to your job. Um, just to be able to retire. Like these are the crazy things I think you then see. But obviously if you're like 18, you you don't give a shit. You want to buy your, your date outfit, right? <laughs> exactly right. Like that's what your motivation is at that time, um, which is, yeah, it's just how the world works, isn't it? But um, it's really cool to see the progression and like it's really, it's like a nice humbling experience to to look back on like my journey with Bitcoin and also just like in my life as well and see how like, the way that I have developed and grown personally and how that the crossroad of that with Bitcoin and now how it's like intertwined is like a really cool thing to now look at and be in the midst of. It's um it's really nice. We're in a very exciting time. I know everyone says it, but like yeah, we are. and I'm like, I'm so privileged. Like you said it before, Ian, it's actually a benefit being this young and you're absolutely right. Like I feel so privileged to be alive at this time. Like imagine being alive in, you know, 50 to a hundred years when Bitcoin's at like $3 million a coin. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think we just don't understand where we're at. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm, all this time, I'm just trying to think of the irony that you've sold uh, all your Bitcoin one day to buy clothes. And now that you're re re that you're regaining all those sucks yeah. back by creating your own uh, clothing brand, right? I've I've never made the connection of that to I, that is like a subconscious 
vendetta I have. I think I was just so angry that I lost my Bitcoin for clothes that now I need to make all of my Bitcoin back by selling clothes. That's hilarious. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I wanted to ask, um, obviously you revisited after you sold your uh, Bitcoin, you, you came back into the ecosystem after a little bit of uh, dabbling with the other cryptos and stuff like that. What was it then that made you decide Bitcoin only? What, what part of the Bitcoin fundamentals was it that really kind of hooked you into coming to Bitcoin only? Yeah. So when I was in my altcoin season, um, there was a lot of different projects. I was like, I was pretty much investing in anything that had a dog on it or like an animal. But then there was like my top ones, which was Ethereum, Cardano and Zilliqa at the time. Um, and the thing that, um, like at the start, it was great. And I made like great money off of them at the time because it was quite early, but lost a lot of money too. But what it was at the end of the day that drew me to Bitcoin only was a lot of these projects or all of these projects are just centralized. Like they're super centralized. It's, it's, it's insane how it's painted, not as that. And it just so obviously is. Um, and then also these like false promises and false um, predictions of what's going to happen. Like I remember sitting on coins for like, you know, a year or two and they're like, oh, once this gets approved, this is going to happen. Like it's the XRP type stuff. Do you know what I mean? And, um, and it just, and again, like what we were saying before about like life problems, it didn't solve a lot of my life problems or like the things that I had experienced in life or that I was seeing in the world, um, like Zilliqa wasn't fixing any of like the things in politics or government or, or whatever it is. Um, so then it, they just naturally became less appealing to me as I'm kind of like matured, I think. And then um, as I got exposed to Bitcoin at that time and started looking into that a bit more and I jumped on like the online communities and started listening to some other people, I was like, wow, this literally ticks all the boxes. There's no CEO, there's no board of executives, there's no pre-mining. Do you know what I mean? Like it's genuinely an honest decentralized system, um, which was, uh, I think, the, the turning point for me. Yeah, I, I think that's a familiar journey that a lot of Bitcoiners uh, go through. Um, it's something that you hear again and again. It's this kind of slow realisation. Um, the more you stay into the space the, and you start to realise how the others don't stand up against uh, Bitcoin in any way. Um, and it's easy to get trapped into the um, narratives of the um, shit coins or the altcoins or the crypto, mm -hmm. if you want to call it that, because they do have these uh, marketing departments and they yeah. do know how to um, use the correct sort of language that will convince people, you know, by sort of clever marketing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's an easy trap mm -hmm. to fall into um, for a lot of people, for sure. And it's not only it's not only the projects themselves, but what many people underestimate is the amount of influence investors have over these things. Like, have yeah. you guys seen the clip of that one girl? She sits next to the Stacks scammer um, at like one of the crypto conferences a few weeks ago, where she explains how venture capital crypto people work. And she essentially commits, because she is one of them, that they just pump and dump for 12 to 18 months and then they just continue going with the next hype train. It's insane. 
And as a Bitcoiner, you sit there like, first of all, 12 to 18 months, that's like nothing, you know, <laughs> like, who gives a yeah. shit? Um, maybe you have, were lucky and get like 12 months where you're able to stack cheaply, but like, who gives a crap? That's just a year gone. Yeah. There's so much more happening in the future. And like, she straight up admits that they essentially um, pump on, then dump on, on retail investors. And um, you know that the only thing that they essentially need to do is satisfy their LPs, their liquidity partners, which I get because like those are the guys giving in money. But as a Bitcoin, if you see this and you go like, holy shit, like if you see like you can't unsee it, right? You're in there, you, you see and cut through the bullshit. Um, but yeah, good on, good on you that you found your way out. Um, was it? only the decentralized thing or was there also any other substance you know bitcoin is a bit slower than the others you, you sometimes people say you have more time to adapt and do things or was there just you know what they don't have a board of commissioners a board of executives that's good enough for me was there any more to this or was it really just hey decentralized enough and i want to stick with this yeah the, the main thing was that it just like ticks, ticked all the boxes that I was looking for personally or like that I was seeing in the world. Like it, it, it was a solution to actual real world problems. It wasn't mm. like a gaming token or a meme coin. Like they're fun to, like you said, pump and dump and grab and like see if you can make a quick buck in a month. But I guess once you get older, it's like it doesn't solve any problems that relate to you and, and, and Bitcoin did. Um, I think uh, another thing as well, um, is that like I've been in a couple of uh, when I was going through my altcoin season, I think I jumped in a couple of different communities and Telegram groups, and you, you jump in these chats and and, and, and kind of like see if you can fit into that community or if this is like the community for you. Um, it never happened. Uh, always had horrible experiences, and it was just like terrible. Um, and then jumping on like Twitter, the Bitcoin community is like insanely incredible i love it um so being part of that community is really cool and it's super important just like from like a human psychology perspective like community is core um it's you know one of the basic human needs is like a good community around you um and it's awesome that the big coin community has that and it's thriving and it's really positive and it's fun and when there is beef and arguments it's kind of fun to watch from the sidelines like there's there's one i'm watching at the moment uh, on twitter it's hilarious so sometimes yeah. it feels like the little kids in school you know who like like to slap and and, and bitch fight yeah, yeah. but then at the end of the day they hug so yeah like your fundamentals are exactly the same <laughs> yeah. like these stupid little things um that just trigger it and um yeah you kind of find then at the end of the day you're like yeah but we still literally stack the exact same thing every day <laughs> Right, exactly. I mean, um, you see on Bitcoin, Twitter, and Nost, uh, the, the the petty arguments that are ongoing all the time. It's uh, entertaining uh, most of the time, frustrating some of the time. Um, and we've said it before, Joel, on this podcast more than once about no matter what your politics are, um, we all agree on Bitcoin, and we yeah. we we seem to kind of show up um, when when we must you know if there's some fuck coming from the new york times for example no matter what your politics are you'll kind of assemble under the bitcoin banner together which is quite an interesting unique experience to be honest nothing i've i've never experienced this in my life and i've got double the life experience than you guys so uh it's it's a weird and interesting place almost a double experience ian like you can't 
It's, you don't, you don't uh, yeah. need to stay yourself long. <laughs> <laughs> you don't look a day over 25, Ian. Uh, it's my, I think it's my camera. I've got some sort of filter yeah. on, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I should have signed up for that. Um, yeah, it's like it's the power of shared experience. It's like the the power, sorry, power of like a collective belief. Um, it's uh, it's really cool. And just like you said it before, Ian, that's a really great point about no matter like your political views or whatever, your personal views on stuff, we have this core fundamental belief that, is really solid and we can always come back to that no matter what else we believe talk to me about the life of a mortgage broker what 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 lessons did you learn um being a mortgage broker and how did that kind of um influence uh, your mindset around money yeah um it was busy i worked for um so i started off at a small firm here locally and then uh ended up getting a job at the 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 biggest mortgage broking uh, company in Australia. So they're based in Sydney, uh, but I was working remotely and it was in uh, insanely busy. I was working crazy hours. Um, but uh, I guess the interesting thing is um, being exposed to finance and stuff uh, like you, the mortgage rates here, you need to keep an eye on all the time, like your variable rates. Um, obviously you're, you're checking banks and news and you've got alerts on your phone to see if like, Westpac here has announced a, a rate increase. We also have the the RBA here, the Reserve Bank of Australia. So they're the ones who decide if the interest rate goes up. So they meet once a month every Tuesday to decide whether it goes up or down. Um, and obviously uh, last year, uh, pretty much all of last year, it was it was going up every single month um, and it was a massive thing. And, you know, you've got these clients who two years ago could afford a million-dollar property and now, you know, the interest rates are three times what they were and they can't afford like a $500,000 property. It's like, it's insane. Um, and then on the other side of that um, is it was really interesting to see um, kind of like people's financial literacy as well. Obviously, you you get exposed to like people's personal financial situations and, and, and what people are um, kind of like spending their money on and stuff. And it was just interesting to see that behavior um, every single day. It was really cool um, seeing like the people who owned like 10 properties, had investments, was really like smart financially, um, bought stocks and stuff like that. And these are clients that um, like I got to speak to every day. So it was really fun. Um, kind of like being a sponge and, and, and absorbing like a bunch of just like financial knowledge in, in general. Um, and uh, yeah, it's really good. Also your clients, the ones who are happy with you always send you gifts. So um, I would always get like a bottle of wine or, or a six pack of beer or something mailed to my house, like every three days, which was really fun. <laughs> Do you find, um, or did you find uh, when you were doing it, people kind of um, were tending to maybe overstretch themselves on credit a little bit just to get a bit more of a house than they should be able to afford or is that is that not the case yeah yeah oh my god yeah uh, there are some nightmare ones you see like you see people in hundreds of thousands of dollars of like credit card debt or like just personal loans and i've seen some shockers like obviously you get to see these people's credit reports and um you know get to see how good they are at paying back the debt that they're um, kind of borrowing and it is pretty crazy to see and it's super challenging because obviously you it's hard um, 
personally, like ethically, because there are laws and rules around obviously, you know, if someone can get a loan and there's like a, there are strict criterias with like the big four banks here. But when you get a client who's in $80,000 credit card debt, her credit report is shit, she's missed months of payments. Like your goal is still to try to find a solution. So like, you know, if she's on an 8% rate, like you're trying to find a B tier lender, like these random private lenders who will still borrow to her and, it, it's like slightly better than where she's at, but it's it's just um it's interesting. It's a bit of a ethical pull, like if these people should be, um yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I I'm always wondering, like we read Bitcoin fixes this, and you know, obviously at one point you'll get into these things like essentially already have it now, like back your mortgage with Bitcoin and mm. deposit it as a security as a um. Yeah, as a security essentially for, for your loan and these things. And I kind of go like, okay, even if we're on a Bitcoin standard, let's say tomorrow, are we really going to fix that overspending? Because I think it took all of us, you know, years, um, will probably take decades to fully grasp what the fundamental difference is to today's system. And if you kind of look at these things, you go like, even if people are able to get a mortgage with Bitcoin as a backing tool, who are they really going to, you know, live life by their best capabilities? Or are we always going to see for at least, I'd say, 25, maybe 30 years that overspending? Because, you know, it's been so easy to do this, right? Like you know, we were yeah. even like I grew up in Switzerland. I was used to negative interest rates. So you had to pay the bank to get your money in, which is crazy. Um, and now you get into this time back again where suddenly normies on paper earn an interest on their yeah. their investments again so i think i'm always wondering if that's something the bitcoin ecosystem will fix yeah it's interesting i'm you know i have like mixed opinions on um lending with bitcoin there are a couple of like bitcoin platforms that are pretty legit like uh uh i can't lenden i think is one i, I haven't looked into them but that one i know particular and you know they seem like they um they are legit and they seem like they're trying to do a good thing but you're right it's kind of like that pull personally of like is this the right thing to do does it work are we too early for something like this i think obviously coming from a mortgage broking background like it really comes down to the um criteria for for people getting approved i get so nervous when i see DeFi stuff because there's no there's nothing it's it's terrifying um but there needs to be kind of that framework of, of eligibility and stuff like that for, for people's personal um, situations. Uh, like I, I, when I got bought my first property, um, this was like when COVID first started. So interest rates here went down crazy. Um, and I locked in for one year um, at 1.79%, which was insane here. That's like the lowest I've seen it. Um and that was awesome. And my payments were like nothing. And then my fixed rate came off a year later and I instantly went to 4%. <laughs> so it's like I had already budgeted, you know, I had my budget, my weekly budget. I'm, I know what I'm spending money on. And then, and then it's like as soon as you come off that, the day you come off that, the next month you're paying four, almost four times more and you just have to readjust so much more of your life um, to accommodate for that. And for, you know, I was lucky that, um, it was annoying 
and inconvenient, but I could still do it. But there I've, and I've witnessed it as a mortgage broker. There's so many people that have done that come off it and they literally are unable to pay it. And they haven't paid their mortgage for three months. And it's super scary. Cause like, you know, that's your family home. It's, 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 it's a, uh, it's a terrifying thing. Yeah. And it makes you wonder, like, even if you back everything with Bitcoin, you get to that point and then you go like, shit. And now, now I'm going to lose next to my home, you know, I've got to lose the Bitcoin as well. Cause like, yeah. fuck, I over gambled essentially. And I think that gambling thing will always be there. I'm kind of on the same front. I go like the people want to do DeFi nice, like, you know, do a side chain, whatever you want to do. But like, I don't think there should be stuff on the main layer. Um, or anywhere it's, it's, near to the main layer. Yeah, it's uh, there will come a time where it will like be a trending topic and we'll find mm. a solution for it or something like that. I think at the moment it's definitely not on the horizon. Mm. I don't see a lot happening in that space, which is fine. Um, eventually it will just naturally progress to that. Like as we naturally kind of come onto a, a Bitcoin standard is that will just come up and we'll find a solution at the time. Like we needed faster payments and we figured out the Lightning Network. Mm-hmm. Um you know, well, the same thing will happen. Yeah, and I guess no one will rush it because um, even with Lightning, it took us a couple of years um, to get it yeah. to a stage where you can halfway use it. Um, but I want to get back to, um, before we maybe get to your book, the other Bitcoin businesses you also have up and running. Yep. What was what was the idea behind them? Um, was it really just, hey, I like writing, I do Bitbyte News? Um, or what was the motivation behind all of those things? Yeah, so besides um, Mr. Satoshi, I have Bitbyte News, like you said, which is daily bite-sized articles, um, uh, which is really fun. And then I have a project, um, it's not a business, it's just like a free website called the BitcoinLegacyProject.org. And that was just something that I wanted to challenge myself on. Um, uh, it was, it's, a, it's a whole complete timeline of Bitcoin's history, really interactive and fun. Um so that's like done and I just update it when something major happens. Um, but yeah, going back to, to, to Bitbyte, um, I wanted to, obviously I just started Mr. Satoshi and I was growing the, the brand, but also at the same time I was growing my personal brand on Twitter. Um, and, you know, with that comes definitely a sense of responsibility um, in what you say. I remember early, early, early when I jumped on Twitter, like, December before I had even launched Mr. Satoshi, I made a post um, about Bitcoin or something. And I just wasn't very knowledgeable about a certain thing. Um, I think I spoke well about Binance. <laughs> and then and then um, it was, uh, yeah, obviously like the comments were like, but what about this? What about that? And I was like, 100%, you're right. And then at that point, it was kind of like humbling because I realized it was an ego killer because I realized I didn't know as much as I thought I know and I wasn't as good as I thought I was. Um, so uh, when I started, um, when my <clears throat> personal Twitter account started growing, I realized I needed to educate myself and and make sure that um, if I'm going to, you know, be some sort of voice in this community and have some sort of following, um, and there are people who follow me who, um, you know, really do listen to to kind of like the things I tweet and um, are really supportive and um, need to just make sure what you're saying is correct and is in tune with like Bitcoin's vision. So with Bitbuy, I wanted to challenge myself that every morning I would wake up and write an article about some sort of topic on Bitcoin. 
which, you know, if I do this on a long enough time frame, I'm going to become that that expert in the field or, or whatever else and a bit be confident in, in what I'm saying, um, which it really has done. Like it's, I launched in <clears throat> February, I think. Um, and yeah, it's been really freaking awesome posting, you know, every day about a different topic, it, even stuff that I didn't know about before, um, forcing myself to like do the research, get educated about it. And then literally write about what I just learned that morning um, and teach other people has been awesome. And the reaction from the community has been super cool as well. Um, people have been loving it. Like uh, a lot of the things that I'm learning, other people are learning for the first time, which is really cool because it's like this collective um, thing happening. Um, and yeah, it's grown a lot and, and obviously juggling that with Mr. Satoshi and, and, and the book as well, um, uh, was definitely busy, busy, um, but I made a commitment. So was sticking to it. Um, and then, uh, at the moment we're, we're, uh, getting some, uh, regular writers, uh, jump on as well. Um, so Joel, you obviously wrote a, a couple in uh, June for us, which was awesome. Uh, it was awesome to, to have you and a couple of other guys as well. But now where we have a, a team of two more writers who are cool full-time writers, um, and, uh, just put up an ad on Bitcoin of jobs. And we've had, I think at the moment, it's like more than 35 applications. I haven't even been able to read them all. It's been up for like three days. So it's been insane. <laughs> My inbox is like crazy. So, um, and there are some really awesome Bitcoiners uh, that have applied. People I didn't even, I uh, wasn't even following on like Twitter and stuff. So mm. it's really cool. Um, so we'll be looking to add like, you know, five to seven more writers um, just to kind of like offload that for me. So I can kind of, my goal will be to do probably three a week, four a week mm -hmm. um, and obviously focus on uh, as well, like Mr. Satoshi and building that. So was your book an evolution out of um, writing on Bitbyte News or how, how did that come about? And maybe give a short introduction. What's the book? Where's available and all of that spiel? Yeah, so there's a book, uh, my book that's coming out in uh, on July 31st. So uh, by the time this goes up, like you said, it uh, will be available. So it'll be on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, go grab it. It's uh, really fun, really cool. Uh, but at the moment, it's available for pre-order. Um, so the website will still be up. Um, so it's orange pilled without the E, so P-I-L-L-D. Uh, book.com um, and what it is is it's it's a collection of 250 orange peeled stories from 250 bitcoiners around the world so 72 different countries 250 different bitcoiners um, and and what happened the story with that is as I uh, in January was um, being a bit more active in the community on Twitter and stuff and I was communicating with like people on Orange Pill app and stuff, ironically. Um, it was so awesome, like hearing people's stories of how they became a Bitcoin maxi or just like became Bitcoin only. And there were some that were just like super touching and super awesome. And I just had this realization um, that this these stories have never been like publicly shared. There's never been a collection, a single document of um these stories and I think it's important and it's also important because it's what um is orange pills other people like your personal testimony is the most 
powerful asset you have, um, especially when talking to altcoiners and shitcoiners. It's like, you know, and something kind of that influenced this was like my discussions um, with Brian DeMint, uh, author of Bitcoin Evangelism, another incredible book. Um, we were discussing like people who were in altcoins and stuff. And he was saying like the whole ethos of Bitcoin evangelism is like, you don't bash these people. You don't yell at them. You're not like hating on them. You want to come at them with like a sense of love and like acceptance. And obviously, um, you know, a lot of us have been in our Bitcoin, uh, sorry, our altcoin season. So it's like, you come there with empathy and being like, I was literally there four years ago. Um, and, and evangelize to him, to them. Um, and the most powerful way to do that is with like your own personal story. Humans connect through emotion. Um, like that's, that's, we have mirror neurons. That's how we, we connect through emotion. When someone cries, you feel upset. When someone laughs, you laugh. When someone yawns, you yawn. Um, and it's the same thing. It's like when someone shares their orange pill story and, and why they are so passionate about Bitcoin. It resonates with you and attracts you to that, to go search and find your own. Um, so that's what birthed it. And I really um, just want, I, I knew that there were amazing stories out there because I had heard them. And I just was like, this has to be documented. Like there has to be a book for this. So I posted on Twitter a link to a site that had a, a questionnaire. And I said, um, if you go and upload your, um, or write your orange pill story, I'll give you a thousand sats. Um, kept it up for a few months and, uh, I think it was 530 something orange peeled stories came in within two months, three months, I think. Um, and it was just like the most incredible thing I spent, um, you know, a couple of weeks after I kind of closed submissions, reading all of them. And it was insane. Um, the hardest thing was choosing 250 of them. Like easily there could be a, another book. If, if, you know, if this one does well, there's easily a second one. Um, but yeah, and it's just like a collection of 250 Orange Pill stories celebrating that, like celebrating and also reflecting on these different things. And they vary so much. Um, like you've got your really heartfelt stories of, of how someone, um, <clears throat> got involved in Bitcoin and then you've got your funny ones, like people buying drugs online on Silk Road, there's plenty of those on there. And then there's just like altcoin ones and, and other stuff. Um, it's just cool. It's a really cool collection and it gives a human aspect to Bitcoin. Like so often we focus on, the market trends and the price and regulation and whatever else, which is fine and it's important, but it's like the human experience is a key part of Bitcoin that um, has de definitely been missed. It sounds like um, we're both on the same mission here, right? With rabbit hole stories, you know, Joel yeah. and I sat down when we, we knew we wanted to do something within the ecosystem and this is what we came down to, exactly what you say. I think there is a lot of value in 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 making it personal, uh, bringing the human into the into the space, and uh, I think that's got a, a power to it that um, will provide um, a road for people to sort of connect to, you know, and and get into the Bitcoin in that way. And also, 
your um, other project of working on your own personal brand, that's something that also resonated with me because obviously my persona on, on Twitter is questioning Bitcoin. When I first discovered Bitcoin, I had my old personal Twitter account that I had on there for years that I barely used. And I started to do some Bitcoin-y type um, stuff on there. And it was quite evident that I was ignorant to quite a lot of the fundamentals of Bitcoin at the time. And I had to really sort of go away and reset that all really and create this new questioning Bitcoin thing because I thought it was quite important to learn um, from the community by asking the questions of things I didn't understand and getting the feedback and getting involved in the debates and some of the discourse that was going on on back of my questions. I was also asking questions on things that I felt I knew the answer to and had strong beliefs about and I wanted to sort of get other people's perspectives because I think you know, coming into Bitcoin, you need to remain as open-minded as possible to sort of consume other people's mindset and perspectives in the, in the Bitcoin space to get a full picture of what's going on. So that definitely resonated with me as well. But also before we finish this episode, because I'm conscious of the fact we're running up to an hour, which is the usual running time for our uh, podcast. Joel and I have started to do, um, I mean, you've, you must have heard the term all roads lead back to Bitcoin, right? Yeah, yeah. So we we came up with um, an idea. We did recently put a, an episode out called "All Roads Lead Back to Bitcoin," where we just um, came up with some random words and phrases to each other online, um, and just sort of tried to re- uh, relate that back to Bitcoin somehow. So it's become a bit of a challenge. We're going to give each of our guests at the end of the interview, and um, I'm going to give you a word. Joel and I just text each other um, while we're talking, and we came up with a word that we thought would be quite a good one to give you, and you got to try and relate that back to Bitcoin somehow. Are you ready for this challenge? <laughs> I'm going to do horrible. Are you cutting this out if I do terribly? <laughs> hey, it's, no, it's, it's, it's not as easy as, as it, you know, as, oh, as we like to think it is. But, you know, we'll give you some thinking time if you need it. <laughs> and, mate, that, that word is all roads lead back to Bitcoin. So... How does underpants, we thought that was appropriate because of your apparel uh, business, how does underpants relate back to Bitcoin? All right, I can do this. You can. Um, you can. Yeah. Underpants, all right. I just like the email, these are hilarious. Uh, so yeah, uh, underpants, you wear them to cover your ass, which... Uh, <laughs> You um, is used for something that shares a name with shit coins. Yeah. Um, shit coins are a type of altcoin. Um, altcoins are the opposite. No, altcoins are cryptocurrency, which is the direct opposite of Bitcoin. Boom. There you go. He made the quick link. See, it's not, it's not too. It's not e- too easy peasy. <laughs> that, that was very fun. That is the funnest game. I love that. That's hilarious. That's awesome. <laughs> We used to do a similar thing at school on our laptops on Wikipedia. You'd jump mm-hmm. on like a mm-hmm. random page of like, I don't know, the 54th president. And it's like, all right, now go to Rose Petals. And you just have to click the hyperlinks until yeah, you get there. Yeah. Like that. That's I've seen, that was I've good effort. It. That was really good. In fact, we did we did underpants on our episode, didn't we? I can't remember what our answers were now, Joel. Uh, I think I had... Um, I think I had underwear and I went... Um, 
I don't know, you, you need to protect your junk just like you need to protect your Bitcoin in a hardware <laughs> wallet, something along these lines. So you get quite yeah, yeah. creative with the things. But um, it is fun. Yeah, I also then had the quick link to shitcoins and Ian obviously mentioned like there can't be any leakage back down there. So that's hilarious. <laughs> you need the other way. <laughs> so the other Just straight to the childish, straight to the childish answers. Of yeah. course you have to. <laughs> that's what Bailey, it's all about. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with Thank you. you before, we, so before we um, hang up though, where can people find you on the socials? Yeah, so personally, uh, Twitter's the best way to go. Uh, so it's Bailey Jacob with a K, J-A-K-O-B, and then just number one, uh, Mr. Satoshi. So mrsatoshi.com on Twitter, we're Mr. Satoshi Store. Bitbyte, we're bitbyte.news. On Twitter, we're bitbyte.news. Um, and then my book, uh, Orange Peeled book.com without the uh, E in peeled. And then uh, the bitcoinlegacyproject.org. Um, check that out it's really fun nice nice perfect mate thank you very much for your time and thank you for sitting up late at night talking to us um here at rabbit hole stories it's been a pleasure you're now a friend of the show just like all of our other guests so you're more welcome to come back anytime to discuss any future projects you might have in the future so thank you i appreciate you guys thank you so much